One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is The Toto Motivational Hour. That title suggested on Twitter by Gino Bedwell. Hello. Welcome to Missed Apex. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Durumpitz. How's it going, Matthew? Well, you know, it's going pretty good for a race day. We have notes, we have a race. There are things about which we can indeed talk. All right. Uh, Portugal ruined it, though, by not having the slippiest track on earth. That was fun last year. Yeah, well, I mean, they did have it at a more seasonally appropriate time, which did ruin a bit of the fun we had last time out there. But I would argue not a bad race at all. I like the, the, the random wind element, sometimes windy, sometimes not. It was perfect. It was like sprinklers that like nature just turned on and off at random points. Yeah, and it, and it was brutal for the drivers because one minute your car did the thing and then the next minute it sure didn't at all. And so it, it, was, it was fun and interesting to see the drivers having to cope with something that was entirely out of their control. Yeah, good. Well, in control is us telling you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong but we're first. It's not just me and Matt, though. We're also joined by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hello, Alex. Good evening, Spanners. And I am not here by the kind permission of my better half. We are supposed to be watching Line of Duty tonight, and I'm on here. She ain't happy. So who who mixed things up? Who mixed... Hang on, two seconds. Whose fault is it? Who mixed the schedules up, though, Alex? She did. She thought it was next week, the final, but the final's tonight. So I'm off the hook. Well, That's then. why I'm not doing the podcast next week. Okay. Sounds like that was her <laughs> fault. Uh, but uh, another victory for Lewis Hamilton. 2-1. 2-1. It's, it's still game on. It's eight points after three races. And it was great seeing Max looking very confused because I think Max should be, I think Max feels he should be 
ahead and he finds himself behind and i think he's confused by that yeah and behind but not by much we're also joined by uh, my bbc radio cambridgeshire colleague ellen ellard hello ellen hello an interesting grand prix not one that that blew up uh, but certainly i think the early races said a lot about the the way the championship's going yeah, definitely. It was on those races where at the time I was like, oh, please, something happened. Every time any of the commentators were like, oh, you know, when they're talking about safety car buffer, that kind of thing. I was like, oh, let's have something happening. Let's have some action. Um, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, you know, it happened. But actually, when I look back, it was so nice to have such close racing. And that's something that I probably took for granted at the time. But looking back compared to what we've had in previous seasons, mm. it was really, really exciting. Yes, it, it, we, yeah, you get used to a certain level of kind of drama and excitement. 2020 seemed to deliver it every single race somehow, but that was never going to be sustainable. No, 100%. I think we're so used to seeing red flags, safety cars, you know, all the time. And actually to have like a, a race that was a bit sort of less dramatic, but still mm. had all these little, you know, especially up at the front, a lot of little battles that you can get into and and definitely sort of get behind. Um, that was really nice. Slightly, maybe more relaxing, less sort of heart rate stress, maybe. Is that a thing? Bit more chill, bit more of a chill yes. Sunday. I was I was waiting for that Mazepin spin. It never came. But let's start off uh, talking about uh, qualifying. There was actually some interesting points about qualifying. And quite often, Matt, when the race explodes and there's drama and 18 safety cars we, we don't get to actually talk about qualifying on these Sunday reaction shows but uh, super interesting it, it, it felt from Max's perspective as Alex said it, it felt like from his perspective he thought he was definitely destined for pole he looked decidedly miffed when it didn't come well yeah and I think with uh, what I would like to call reason uh, in the sense that he was certainly fastest in the final third practice. And now here's the thing, and, and I've had this discussion. I, I don't want to go too far overboard, but Karun Chandok did a very interesting dissection of his third quali, third session quali lap, in which he demonstrated that in the first lap where Max was off track, he actually had lost time by being off track, he hadn't gained it and was still faster than anybody else. And even on the second lap, up until the final sector, which is where he encountered Lando Norris and Sebastian Vettel ahead of him as in terms of traffic, he was actually up on that lap as well. Now, I'm not saying that that gives him an excuse for being slower in the final sector enough to put him behind. Nevertheless, I think the signs were all there that the Red Bull was fast enough, if not the fastest car, to have taken pole position. So it's not a surprise. I think he was having a hard time dealing with the wind, which is a factor he absolutely did not control. I don't know, Alex. I think they got nobbled by McLaren, hashtag Mercedes family. McLaren accidentally said the quiet bit out loud. They said, Lando, he's not set a time yet. Don't do him any favours. And what I think happened is that even though, you know, they did leave him, let him past, they're saying, you know, sometimes as a backmarker, it's not enough just to let people pass. You also don't want to give them a bunch of dirty air and interfere. Whereas if you don't care, you can linger. You can go closer to race pace than, say, your outlap to make sure there's a just a bit more dirty air going backwards. So when I first heard that comment, I thought, oh, God, you can't say that. You might want to do it, but you can't say that. Um, however, watching Karun's really brilliant side-by-side -side of Max's two laps, um, what he showed was um, that 
at that section where he went off, he lost half a tenth, which is next to nothing. And up until the point where he started the final sector, he was well past Lando at this point. He was still equal with his previous lap time. Um, and if you watch uh, from the video, you don't actually see Lando until he is pulled off at the side of the track when Max goes past him. The biggest issues Max had was in the last three corners where he got very squirrely, and that is where he lost all of his time. But he was complaining in the race as well that he, he was losing time in those sectors and unable to get onto the back straight, so a characteristic of the car, perhaps. It was those corners that cost him the race win. All right, we'll, and we'll get into that later. We will. We'll definitely get onto that. What direction are we going? There was a few other things that I wanted to talk about in qualifying. Daniel Ricciardo, Ellen, uh, very disappointing. We were talking about it in the Friday Patreon podcast that there's a kind of head down kind of attitude because it's not I'll get there. It's I need to change everything about my driving style and to go out in Q1 in that McLaren, which is, well, you would say best of the rest. It's very disappointing. Yeah, hugely. Um, and I think he knows that. Everyone was so shocked. I remember just sitting there and being like, what? what? What's going on? But like you said, you know, they were battling a lot anyway with the wind, with the lack of grip at times. So he's got that on top of the car problems anyway and what he's struggling with, with getting used to the, used to the car. So he's battling, you know, quite a lot at once. And I know we'll get onto it later, but didn't he do such a good job in the race to sort of get back into it? And I think um, we were talking about it after Imola with Perez and we were saying, well, if you're settling into a, into a team and you're under pressure, the last thing you really want is super changeable conditions, Alex. You want just the baseline, solid, grippy track to get you back in there and get that confidence. So the Sky team were talking about talking about this particular situation and getting used to the teams. And Danny Ricardo actually said that he feels like he's being treated a little bit like a rookie at the moment because that's how unsettled he is in actually trying to put everything together that they're treating him like he's a complete and utter newbie. Oh, no, that's savage. Wait, look, there's a settling in period. Uh, I'm sure he'll get there. And I guess the other talking point from qualifying was George Russell. And Ellen, we, as Cambridgeshire people, we are duty-bound to say that Cambridgeshire-educated George Russell is amazing and brilliant. The key thing I took away from that was, blimey, Williams have made a car that's capable of getting in a whisper of Q3. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah, it's really, really good to see where they've come from and to see sort of that progression is incredible. And I think George is just doing, he's doing so well, you know, again, something we'll talk about later on, maybe today didn't reflect that, but I think he's doing a really good job. He's got energy, he's got drive, he's got determination. And I think what is really helpful is he's got that vision you know he knows we all know where he wants to be in the next couple of years next year maybe even he's got the drive and he's got the determination and that will help him know like so much in quality where he's just having to push the car to its limits yeah and uh a little bit less vocal today as well there you go Ellen <laughs> I think we've fulfilled our contractual obligations so I want to address this so Alex because he gets so much praise on a Saturday they call him Mr Saturday is more of a reflection of, of what Williams is doing. Obviously, you can't drive faster than the car is capable. George Russell is a good driver. But if you had someone, sorry, I know Chris is a Latifi fan, but let's say, I don't know, pick a driver out of the hat. If you pick, put Gasly in the Williams, you're talking about both Williams being regularly in Q2. He's not doing something extraordinary, amazing and impossible He's just, he's doing what that car is capable of. It's good. I just think it's more of an indication of, of Williams than than Russell doing the impossible. Um, I'm a very big advocate for George, 
for George Russell. Um, I think he's a stunning talent. And I really, really believe that him, it's his qualifying performances. I don't think if you put a Gasly in that he'd get anywhere near George on a Saturday. Um, so I think when you look at George and you see the performances he puts in on a Saturday, I think that is actually above um, what a lot of people could get out of that car. Maybe a Max, maybe a Lewis, maybe a Leclerc. That's the kind of level I put George Russell at. All right. I respect that opinion. Let's start talking about uh, race stuff, though. This is the part of the show where we turn to Matt to Rumpets and we say, hey, Matt, how's it going? You right? Uh, yeah, I'm totally not having any, an extended discussion about track limit rules in the chat at all. No, not me. Live chat. Stop distracting Matt Trumpets. You are welcome to go and search for us on YouTube by searching for Missed Apex Podcast. Please click like and subscribe. I did all the things. If you're an audio listener, make sure you subscribe as well. Come and join us while we're recording the show. See all the mistakes and the terrible things we have to edit out. Uh, but please don't distract Matt Trumpets because he's here to tell us where the race was won and lost. And I could not ask for a better intro than that, Spanners. Thank you, Mark. It was good, wasn't it? As, as links go, wasn't bad. That was, that was amazing. And I'm going to baffle everyone by not starting at the start. You're not going to say it was the tyres and or turn one? I'm not. Although tyres do play an interesting role in, in, these, in these critical, crucial moments of the race. But I'm actually going to pen it first and foremost on the safety car restart. That's oh man! The first place, the first place we begin to see things happening. Okay, so if you're going to do that, if you're going to talk, if you're going to skip to the safety car restart, I'm I'm afraid we have to play a game. Whose fault is we it? We just have to. We have yeah, to determine enough. blame. This was the only incident, really, the only collision we had on track, and it was kind of a bizarre one. It was the two Alfa Romeos coming together on a straight. I'm pretty sure in the driver brief for the teams, when the team manager is having a word with the drivers of do's and don'ts, I'm pretty sure don't hit your teammate on a straight. It's pretty high up the list of don'ts, Alex. Yeah, um, Kimmy called himself out on this one, so it is definitely okay. Kimmy's fault. Um, basically comes out the last corner, wasn't happy with something on the car, looked down at his dashboard to go hit, to go um, change the setting, looks up and smashes into the back of his teammate. He even said that as much in his interview. So um, it's not going to be a long one, but it's definitely Kimmy's fault. But the beauty of Kimmy Raikkonen is no one cares. So he can do what he wants, say what he wants, and no one cares. So... It was a full, they were all at full speed, weren't they? And from the onboard, it looked like Giovinazzi started to move right. And therefore, Kimi's kind of like, oh, cool. Gio's moving off to the right. That's fine. Uh, but then Giovinazzi stopped moving to the right, which is completely fine. And Kimi just drives into him. The slightly worrying thing, Matt, is we've seen this with 40-year-olds before in Formula One. Michael Schumacher we just started having incidents where he was misjudging breaking points and hitting people as well. And I, I can tell you, I'm exactly Kimi Raikkonen's age and I feel God awful. I can't do the things that I was good at doing when I was 25. There's a reason most elite athletes are 25 to 35 at their peak. There's a reason soldiers retire at 40. Kimi, you're a great dude. You've done loads for F1, but I think we're, we're getting there. We're getting to that end bit. Uh, yeah, and I was just going to go with, there is a moment when... No matter how sharp you are, no matter who you are, what you do, where at a certain age you find yourself having wandered out into public 
with your fly down. <laughs> oh, and I think this is pretty much That's that harsh. moment for Kimmy. I, I mean, I hate to say it, yeah, but we all know it's true. I think there comes a point where you, there should be some tests. Like, if you can connect to a Zoom call and no one has to tell you to unmute and you can download the updates on an Xbox game and instinctively work out the thumb controls, you're allowed to race. If you're struggling with that, well, like, do a Legends. Like in um, in football, Alex, you see the Legends games, you know, the five-a-side, six-a-side indoor games, and you see them playing with relaxed flair, with skill, no pressure, and it's wonderful to watch, but... We, I don't know. We've got too many old dudes in F1 right now. Yeah, it's like that really funny tennis legend who's always making funny, who's always got funny videos. Tennis on legends are great, yeah. He's he's hilarious to watch. But yeah, listen, I'm, I've never been the biggest fan of Kimi since 2006 when he stopped being good. Um, and yeah, uh, all I feel about Kimi is he's holding up a place for another young up-and-comer who could be in that spot, who could be in that spot doing something brilliant. Tell me when I'm. Tell me why we're wrong. Email us matt at mistapex.net. Right, let's uh, move on to the next phase of where the race was won and lost. Because, okay, so we've we've had that safety car period. The next super interesting point is the restart, Matt, and that restart between Bottas, Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton was just fascinating because we've seen Bottas before. Does not fancy being out dragged from the final turn to turn one, and he caused that infamous multi-car pile-up. I've forgotten what track that was at. Anyone know what track that was at? Can anyone Mugello, remember? Mugello, was it? Yeah. Was it Mugello, Helen? Yeah, yeah, where he kind of flummoxed everybody by going all the way to the, the start line before pinning it. And the thing is, because he'd gone past the final corner without flooring it, everyone went, oh, he's doing that again. And that it was a genius move from Bottas, Matt. A thousand IQ to then go, I'll do it nearly at the end. Yeah, well, you say 1,000 IQ. Here's the thing that I wonder about, that I would like to get him alone in a sauna and fairly sodded on vodka Whoa, to find whoa, out whoa, where's sure. this going? Where is this going? Which is... There are laws, you know. At the end of that straight, Verstappen overtook Hamilton. And I just do kind of wonder the slightest bit if his, if his, if his employment of that tactic was aimed as much at Hamilton behind him as it was at the rest of the field about which he might also have been slightly concerned. I'm not sure it would be aimed technically at Hamilton, but I don't, he hasn't got, you know, has he really got that much, that much loyalty? You know, he's there, he's doing, he's in the best position he's been in a while and he wants to make sure that he's, he's in a great place. He's going to play a card that's going to work really well for him. He knows that it could work really well for him. Like we've said, he's, he's clever about it. Yeah. He's, I don't think he's thinking, and I definitely know he's not got people on his ears going, Oh, just remember your teammate. Who's, you know, Lewis Hamilton is sat behind you and could really do with some help because you know, it's it's never worked the other way around. Why would it happen now? So, okay. Don't trust me. Uh, Don't trust my sources, but, we are under the impression that Bottas has already been told that he's not being retained for for 2022. And this would be the first race since we had that kind of understanding. So, yeah, I, I took that, Ellen. I think you, you're right. I took that as a, as a direct uh, competition against Lewis Hamilton and ended up losing him the one-two. And that speaks to maybe a, a chink in the Mercedes, in the Mercedes Harmony, Alex. To be honest... In the entire time that Lewis and Bottas have been together, 
Does it really matter what Bottas does? How hard a defense he puts up? How hard he fights? How fast he goes? Unfortunately, Lewis seems to have him pegged at every single opportunity, as he did early, as he did in the race today, despite actually outfoxing him in the restart. Which, to be fair, the only reason um, Bottas actually outfoxed Lewis was because Lewis was looking at Max. And he looked back at Max, he looked back forward and Bottas had gone. So it was Lewis more more interested in Max than Bottas that actually cost him um, the position at that restart. Well, and it pains me to agree with you, but you're right. This whole thing was merely a blinder because the important part of the safety car restart wasn't Max getting in front of Lewis, because if that was not a lasting advantage, the important part of it really was Lando Norris getting in front of Perez, which kind of took him off the chessboard a little bit. Illegally. Illegally got past Perez, damn it. Now, I'm going to tell you that I went back and looked at the onboards. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely, 100%. He was four wheels off in turn four, no doubt about it. And he used that to launch himself to the inside of Perez into turn five. So yeah, yeah. In my in my view... That was an advantage gained by being off track. Now, I know that people are going to assume that I'm going to be anti-Lando for this because it was on Perez. However, what I will say is there is no precedent really for uh, people being punished for that. If you'd have like overtaken him around the outside or four wheels off, you'd get told straight away, hand that place back. There really isn't an instance I can think of where someone has gained a speed advantage by running a bit wide in an otherwise unmonitored zone and then and then pulled a, an overtake and then been told to give it back, Alex, is there? Uh, 2008 at Spa, when Lewis went, when Lewis went past Kimi Raikkonen, let Kimi Raikkonen back past, and then Lewis went back past him and got a penalty <laughs> inexplicably for it. Hang on, yeah, but in that case, I'm pretty sure that Lewis was, was off track for the overtake, wasn't he? And that's why he gave the place back. Maybe I'm just spouting hate from 2008, but anyway... <laughs> Just get over it. Raikkonen won the 2007 title, okay? It happened. It just happened. Uh, where are we, Matt? Um, okay, sorry. I interrupted you for that rant. Right. So just just to finish up, why that mattered so much is that by time uh, Perez was able to get round Norris, he was almost 10 seconds back of the leading trio and, and was never really a direct threat. No. No. Afterwards. So, so that's why it mattered to who won and lost. Okay, we'll do a little mini Perez section after after the main battle up front. But you, you're right, Perez did remove himself. All I'll say for now is the the pace of Perez in that kind of slightly distended position was promising. So had had that poor start, which is a trait, to be fair, of Perez's recent starts, had he not got first overtaken by Sainz, then by Norris on the restart, he, he's then sort of unnecessarily, if you like, put himself back. But... Had that not happened, coulda, woulda, shoulda, the pace was strong enough to then run and interfere. So it does bode well for the future, is all I'll say for now. Yeah, no, we, we can talk about that a bit more. The next critical place is everybody's favorite, turn 14. And this mattered on lap 11 when Verstappen, now ahead of Hamilton, chasing Valtteri down to take away the leading position and win the race, instead gets rather sideways and crucially, right before the DRS detection point. He has no DRS, but guess who does? Lewis. That's right. Lewis has now got DRS, and Max is down on momentum. It's a done deal. Lewis takes him lap 12 into turn one and is now in front of him. 
And if you don't think that was critical, that was maybe the most critical moment. Because once he was in front of Max, it was a lot more, it was, well, much more difficult. He only got round Lewis on the restart. He couldn't get round Botas. And now he's stuck behind the pair of Mercedes. That's very bad news for them. Decisive action, though, isn't it? Decisive overtakes by Lewis Hamilton in those situations. And you talk about where the race was won and lost. It's hard to argue that it wasn't just one there because he could have got held up, He, but he went for it. He went past Verstappen uh, without too much fear. And it was a decisive charge at Bottas as well, because what we've seen quite a lot in the past is him stalking Valtteri Bottas and maybe going for it in the second stint or giving himself a tyre advantage for the second, second stint. Here, he was like, nope, enough's enough. I, I've got the tyre advantage. And, and Ellen, it didn't really look in doubt. Uh, at the no. end it looked very comfortable Bottas said here you go here's the racing line you have it <laughs> no just to go back to that point on uh, on Hamilton overtaking Verstappen I think at the in his post-race interview he did say Hamilton went yeah Max made a mistake and we capitalized it I think the, the exact words he used were it was perfect so it's one of those ones where you know he's you know he's so he goes in for the kill, doesn't he? You can't be making mistakes. And this is something that Max will learn sort of more often when he's in these positions that he's ahead. When he's ahead of Hamilton, he'll start to learn more that there's no room for there's no room for error. Okay, so let's look at the errors, Ellen. It's kind of 2-1, to be fair. So at Bahrain, you could say that Hamilton with ailing tyres got the better of Verstappen in that little ding-dong, in that little battle, forced an error. I think that's mm. fair. Hamilton made a very rare error at Imola. Uh, and, then, and then here, I'm reluctant, Ellen, to say, OK, uh, Max has made that error and dropped the ball. Because I really do feel like Verstappen didn't quite have the same weaponry this week. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. You know, we're looking at the the turn it happened. It's the turn that he's sort of like, it's a demon to him, isn't it? You know, we've seen him, how many times have we seen him sort of in this weekend struggle there? You know, he it's one of those things where, yeah, not quite, but they are close. You know, these are the closest we've seen these two cars together in a long, long while. So it's one of those things. It will come down at the end to a bit of a bit of both. I don't think you can put it f- fully down to like driver error or machinery. Today, you've also got the wind as well to put into it as well. There's lots of different variables. But yeah, I do understand where you're coming from. But I think you need to look wider. I agree. I don't think you can just say that that Red Bull had the second fastest car today. And I think what Max is really learning right now is the difference between winning races and winning championships. And the sad news for him is it's Lewis Hamilton who's teaching the lessons right now. Lewis is really used to it, isn't he? And um, I I don't know. It's great. Is there going to be enough time for, I'm going to say, for Max to catch up, Matt? And people might get angry, but we, Max is on catch-up. He's a great driver. He can win races. But when it comes to championship fights, he's a newbie. You know, this is really his first genuine chance. And this is Hamilton's ninth or tenth genuine chance. I hate to be that person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quibble slightly and go world championship. This is a, he's won before, but on this stage... It, because he's he's won a championship he's won championships before not a world championship and this is only because we had an argument about whether or not gp2 or f2 was a world championship or not yeah which he didn't win anyway that right? was fun uh, yeah you win that one matt alex he was in euro f3 was the last championship he won 
Yeah. And how long has he been in F1 now? Six years. Yeah. And there is a very, very big difference between winning a Euro F3 championship and winning the F1 World Championship. There's a massive gulf in that. And, you know, you can sit there and talk about all sorts of different things. But at that last corner, second to last corner, Max got incredibly sideways. Like, so sideways, I'm surprised he caught it sideways. That is how much, if he hadn't made that mistake, Lewis would not have had the run on him that he did, and Lewis may not have got him. He may never have ever got him yeah. because overtaking was actually quite because Max was so good in the middle sector. Lewis was always losing three or four tenths in the middle sector to Max, and then making it up in the first and the third sector. All right. Well, we talked, Alex, about Bottas being genius level from the restart, and I think uh, credit where it's due. Now. At the point that Lewis Hamilton overtook on lap 20, there was clearly a tyre advantage. Lewis had had his normal kind of guarding his tyres and Bottas instant one tends to struggle. But let's just talk about the actual overtake itself, Alex. People have been criticising Bottas for effectively just moving offline. From Lewis Hamilton's onboard, it looked like he wasn't inconvenienced at all. So look, look at us in our sheds and sofas judging Valtteri Bottas. But it looked like Hamilton, yeah, just took the normal, completely normal racing line. So from a racing point of view, could Bottas have done anything to just make that a little bit harder? To give Bottas some credit, it wasn't the worst piece of defensive driving he did all day. Okay, that's not credit. Let's talk about this. We're <laughs> going to talk about the Verstappen one later. So he, I swear he has one dimension when it comes to overtaking. He's like, oh, there's a car coming up to me. It's fast. I must move. Doesn't matter where I move, but I must move somewhere. And he moved to cover the inside. Um, he should he moved too far over. He gave Lewis so much room. And okay, it's his teammate, and he's already had a crash with another Mercedes car in the last race. Is he going to squeeze his teammate? No, but I don't think he would have done the same to Max. So the difference I have there is a case of he could have squeezed more and sent Lewis off the circuit. Um, and to the point where Lewis would have had to pull up and let Bottas go or not take the position. But I don't think he would have done any different to anybody else, and that's why it's a terrible move. Is there no argument in that situation to just to put the... Well, I suppose you're giving away the inside line, but at least you're making that driver go offline and, and have to pick a different braking point and a different braking line? Inside line is harder at that corner because it's a tight... It's a tight, fast corner, and you merge to the outside. So if you take the inside line to that corner, mm. you have to come off the throttle earlier so that you don't run wide and hit the car on the outside. So Bottas has given himself the harder entry. and Actually, by the time they get to the apex, Lewis can just take the apex and go, can't he? Okay. Matt? Well, I just my view of that was kind of interesting because it didn't look like Lewis had even caught him all the way up as they started to enter the turn. So I don't think – I think it was one of those – he happened. He fortunately, probably for the both of them, happened to catch a glimpse, a glimpse of his mirror as he was turning into the corner, and said, "Oh, look! There's Lewis coming around my outside. You know, I, I best. I'm going to have to give him some room, because uh, because I didn't think, and I certainly the announcers didn't think that that move was even going to happen that lap. Yeah, it was surprising, and it was um, like with the Verstappen move as well. He had an opportunity, he took it. From that point on, as far as won and lost has gone. He's done the work. He's he's effectively safe from there. He all but disappears. The only thing that really would have damaged him 
is if Verstappen was able to get ahead of Bottas quickly and decisively, perhaps uh, during the pit stops. So I think that's where we need to focus next is that battle between Bottas and Verstappen. Yes, well, and this is where, this is lap 20, this is my third point, and that pass was critical because it put Max now at the mercy of Valtteri's pace. And it wasn't terrible, but the thing to me, like if I was Red Bull, the one question I would really want to ask their, their, their race strategist is up for about five or six laps after that, you had Lewis within three seconds of Max, technically that's undercut territory. Yet you didn't pit him. You left him out till he was almost five, five and a half seconds back. And you realized that he wasn't, maybe they left him out because they thought he might get round Valtteri. But that would be the one thing I wish I could have seen play out in a different timeline. What if they pitted him aggressively like 24, like right, right when all the midfielders came in, put him on hard tires and said, go go because now mercedes has two cars that are out Mm. on that lap they can only bring one of them in who do they bring in and what and 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 put on that strategy and then what do they do with the car that's left out Uh, Uh, so it's a definite pass on both tasks if they bring hamilton in because you got a two-lap undercut from max and if they bring lewis in now he's just a second ahead of max and maybe that presents a different scenario in an alternate reality. So this thing about, okay, uh, Bottas, if you're 3.5 seconds behind, if the gap goes to 3.5 seconds, we're going to pit you. Now, I don't know if you were listening to the Sky commentary, Alex, but they called that as saying, okay, then, then we'll protect you from the undercut to Verstappen. I don't think that was the case. I think that they were limited by the Mercedes kind of fairness protocol where Lewis Hamilton was entitled to the first choice of pit stop because it was quite interesting the second he got past Bottas he went tires you know he's not interested in pit stops until he overtakes then the second he's overtaking he's like oh by the way Bagsy tires like whenever whenever we're doing tires guys I don't want to put any pressure on it but I'm just saying tires and and by the way I'm in front so I mean I would get that choice so they can't Matt then give give Bottas just go right you're in trouble from Verstappen we want to avoid the undercut get those tyres on because they risk him then undercutting Hamilton and then Hamilton's like, hey, hang on a minute, what, what are you doing? Yeah, no, the undercut on Hamilton meant that that was not a strategy they were they were going to employ at all. But I think the Hamilton pit call was more just like they were just throwing a red herring the direction of Red Bull's pit wall, to be honest with you. I think they were just, I think, I think Lewis is, and, and if you, he said that, and I looked at this, I looked at his sector times, I'm like, He's got no problems at all. I don't know what he's talking about. And I'm pretty spent, sure Red Bull did the same. I spent the whole afternoon after that thinking, was it, what, why did he do that? Because we've seen it happen quite a lot. How many times have we seen it? As soon, you know, Lewis will just go, tyres, tyres, and, you know, tyres are pretty short, whatever, you know, those kinds of things. And you think, you know, is he doing that? You looked at it and there was, you know, there was a bit of grain in. They didn't look perfect. But also then when, suddenly that disappeared and I know they were saying oh you know you can sort of battle through the graining and and get back up there but it is a really interesting one if that is a strategy they're pulling just going oh yeah we're just going to drop in a random tyre call because then you think how many of these other radio messages are out there just sort of circulating around just to try and put someone else off. There's quite a lot of speculation as to to whether it is a tactic. I, I think that Lewis is generally quite sensitive to the tyres. So he's more than happy to go on there and just factually say, these tyres aren't working for me. If the rest of the world takes that as that is tyre wear, 
then that's fine. But his team probably knows that, ah, that's just Lewis shimping and whinging because he's not getting the grip. But if, as a side effect, Ellen, they can use that to play with the other teams, I'm sure they've had that conversation. Yeah, I'd imagine so. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, is he saying it just because, you know, he, he always likes to say he's always picking up on little places they can improve. Is he just thinking, you know, we can make some marginal gains here if we were in this scenario that could have been better and he's just verbalising, he's just vocalising that to the engineers? Um, or is he is he just trying to be a bit sneaky? I it is really difficult. I have been debating it in the <laughs> afternoon. I've just been thinking, you know, is it is it something they're doing? But I don't know. It is something that Lewis has done for a while. As you know, you know, we've seen him do it so many times. You know, he's always there going, oh, this could be better. That could be better. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. But Matt, is he that kind of 4D chess mind game guy? I, I, if he yes. is, if he is, he's been super clever in kind of, tricking the world into thinking that he's not that kind of driver. I, I used to race with a guy who won a very big stage race, bike stage race here in the United States. And I was training with him and we we're going up hills and I was just, I was dying. I was, I was like gone. I was going to pop. And he said, he said, do you know what I like to do when I feel like that? And I said, what? He says, I like to turn around, look at the riders behind me and smile. That's Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Alex. It's a psychological battle. You know, um, to sit there and say, oh, I'm struggling on my tyres and then go half a second faster. But I do think there was two stages to the tyres today. I genuinely do believe that they got worse and then got better. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Um, but it was quite funny, the fact that the second he got past Bottas, he just went, the tyres are broken. Um, but no one believes him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, no one believes that Lewis has got an issue with his tyres. But it's probably something to do with code within the team as to what he's saying when he says the tyres are shot to what it actually means. Um, and you know, he'll go out there and he'll do what he does. I I think that, that whole, that whole, oh, I, I uh, let do, do talk about the tyres now that I've overtaken. That was just a gentle reminder to say, by the way, I'm your priority driver now. Ellen. Yeah, it's one of those other things where, you know, the more I think about it, it is it something that would be picked up by the other teams or are they so focused just on their own drivers that maybe they'll make a note of it but not really think about it, you know, and they'll sort of move on and think, okay, I, I don't, I think they'll probably just be sat there and thinking, oh, here we go, especially because it's something we've heard from Lewis a lot. Yeah, we're just going to focus on our drivers. Yeah, someone might, you know, note it in the back of their minds and then yeah. file that away. You know, it's not, I don't think it will be something that actually will be, will affect, you know, like Red Bull's strap. I think Ellen's right there, Matt. They're, they're not panicking. They're not listening to the tyre message and going, oh my God, the, the Mercedes are vulnerable. Let's get them, guys. Lewis has said the tyres are shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case. But if I can address Alan's point briefly, I look at the last 15 laps of the race uh, from when they brought Perez in to when Max went off track getting fast lap as being an excellent example of, yes, indeed, they absolutely pay attention. Because just to recap, 51, Perez comes in, puts on the soft tires right after Hamilton passes him. Two, three laps later, once the tires are in, he sets fast lap. Only three-tenths faster than Lewis's fast lap, but still, fast lap, which means one less point for Lewis right now. Around lap 60, Perez on the soft tires has fallen out of the pit window of Botas. And Red Bull says to him, let's do another fast lap. And he's like a second off, if not more. Immediately, Mercedes brings Bottas in to take that point away from Red Bull. And when they do that, what they do is they now leave Max open to come in the following lap 
and take it away from Botas, which he would have done had he read version three of the race director's notes that were put out that specified turn 14 track limits were the red and white curb and no further. Thank you much. Yeah, I totally appreciate that as a point, 100%. I think that that's a scenario and stuff that I've got written down. Um, but it's one of those things where I think it's it's very different to Lewis saying, ooh, maybe let's think about some tyres. You know, that's a scenario where they're actually bringing people in. At that point, we didn't know if Lewis was going to pit, when he was going to pit, what the strategy was. You know, he could have been out there for a lot longer. I think Lewis was definitely more of a fl- like throwaway comment, whereas what we're looking at when you look at that scenario at the end, that's a mix of people and and you know the strategists i'll try and get that word out Um, looking at what's going on in the race trying to make sure that they're getting that that point which i think personally i think it's excellent that we're now fighting for you know the fastest lap when that rule was brought when that was brought in we're all sat there like here we go what's this gonna do now Yeah, novelty. Now it's genuinely something that could make or break the championship at the minute. And I love that the drivers and the teams are getting behind that and actually fighting for it. But I think it's a different scenario to, and that's sort of what we saw with that chain reaction happening. Different scenario to Lewis going, oh, I think I need some new tyres, please. Yeah, because at that point, Matt, I suppose the teams genuinely didn't really know whether it was going to be a massive tyre wear track, whether one stop was legitimately going to be possible so at at that point yeah there's a little bit of doubt but i would like to just move it along a little bit to the last kind of to the last podium position and that fight between bottas and um between bottas and verstappen out of the pit so the undercut was clearly the attempt the undercut didn't work but it it kind of did because verstappen had a a little bit more tire heat uh when they got to it but i want to talk about that racing incident that pass between Verstappen and Bottas. I think I'll turn to Alex for this, who may or may not have an opinion. It looked messy from both of them, but this is a crucial period in the race and they both kind of had cold tyres. It just looked a little, again, a little nothingy from Bottas. So let me explain what happened as Bottas comes out the pits. As Bottas comes out the pits, they go through turn one, they go through into turn two. As they go to turn two, Bottas goes wide and gets a little bit sideways. Max also hits the apex, but then gets sideways on the exit. Then Bottas is wide through turn three, and Max gets the undercut through turn three. At that point, Bottas had about four seconds to literally just turn the wheel left to cover Max off. Even if he thought Max may have been alongside, he still could have moved to have squeezed him a little bit. What he did was sit there, with blinkers on and drove straight. And that is the move of someone who has absolutely no confidence in racing manoeuvres. And I'm furious at Bottas because Bottas could have had second in that race because I think if he had held Max behind him for that lap, Max may have had a much, much, much harder time of getting past him and Bottas would have got second in that race. But he didn't go past. I have a video on my Twitter where I show the move. At Alex Van Jean. Is that your Twitter? At Alex Van Jean on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I have a video on my Twitter that shows Max alongside and I sit there and I say, now, 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 of all the time that he had to turn left and stop Max. And he chose not to. And it's words I can't say on here, Paul, um, of what he... Uh, of that defensive manoeuvre and it's 
one of the main reasons he's criticized so heavily is not his pace. It's just he has no teeth when it comes to a fight. I saw that that thread on your Twitter and Alex Brundle responded to your tweet to say that you are unattractive and your trainers are ugly and also that... No, he didn't say that. And that the, the mirrors are small, is what Alex was trying to say. The mirrors are small. You can't always tell. Maybe he thought he was alongside. And my riposte to uh, our friend Alex Brundle was, um, if you are a rookie in your first race in Formula 1, you get a pass. When you are a race winner in Formula One, you have better awareness than that. He knows where Max was. He knows the mistake he made. He knows where the track is and he knows what he can do. Oh, okay. Job security, Ellen. We're both freelance bums going from short contract to short contract. When, when you're not sure about your position, and let's say I'm wrong about him already being told he's not doing 2022, when you're not sure about your position, you're less free to make mistakes. And I, and I wonder if that's happening, especially after what happened at Imola. Yeah, I think so. But we're still seeing him make mistakes. You know, we, we need to see him be a lot clearer. And it's difficult. We should see him fighting. You know, I think we saw it a little bit last, if I remember correctly, I think we saw it a little bit last season with, with Vettel. You know, we saw him fight brilliantly towards the end. You know, he did actually put quite a like put a good fight up. If he wants to make sure he's, you know, still got a seat somewhere next season, he needs to perform a lot better because he's got a he's got one of the best cut yeah. yeah. The, the what second best car on the grid. I wasn't even you know? thinking about him auditioning for another team. But yeah, he needs to show some teeth if he wants yeah. to like drop to an Alpine or something like that. Exactly. We don't know what his route is. We're still waiting on, you know, whatever confirmation to happen. But yeah, I think he needs to sort of make sure he's not making these mistakes. Like you said, like a rookie would, you know, he's got the experience. Now's his time to show it and build up that job application get the PowerPoint ready. You know, now's the time to do it. Get the PowerPoint ready, Alex. I will argue the point that Bottas makes mistakes because he doesn't actually. I think Bottas is a really consistent driver. Racing mistake. But it's hang more on, hang on, wait a minute, let Ellen counter. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's not like, it's not like big, big mistakes, but it's these little things that need to be ironed out if you're looking at who, where he's going to go, where he's going to go, you know, whether that is F1, whether that's somewhere else, you know, it needs to be, he needs to be on a level where he's not making mistakes, errors, you know, not letting, you know, people go past him. I think, I think your, your point is sustained. That counts as an error, Alex, just not shutting the door. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so I'm going to say this. First of all, turn four to turn five, where the pass happened. That's a DRS zone. He knew he lost a ton of momentum because of his slide. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to say that I'm pretty sure as a driver, he knew it was a foregone conclusion. Yes, I could move over. But Max will have had DRS on me. And as long as there's half of a car size space, I know Max is going to drive through it. So why bother? Why spend the energy? I could understand that argument. But if I'm Mercedes. Because you're fighting potentially for a title. I don't know. My goodness. If, if I'm Mercedes, my, my, my job list, my, 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 my checklist for Bottas is fairly short. One, do not hit Lewis. <laughs> Two, beat Perez. Three, slow Max down. He did all three of those things successfully okay. today. All right. all right. Okay. Tell you what, um, we've got in the chat room, European who says they're not mistakes, they're weaknesses. All right. We can, we can. Yeah, probably, I'll agree. I'll yeah, 100% we'll agree with that. That's definitely a better way of putting it. Um, it's one of those things where if, would you ret- retrospectively look back and say, oh, it was a mistake. I didn't do that. That kind of thing. You know, they, yeah. Weaknesses that he doesn't, he doesn't fight, you know, he doesn't stick his claws in maybe when you'd want to see that. And maybe when you'd see yeah. Lewis or maybe even a younger driver would think, oh yeah, you know, we're probably going to fight here. I think that's, that's the main point, Ellen is substitute any driver into that same position. And we can't imagine them doing quite that same thing so it's a bit of an oddity uh, that Bottas goes down that road I think that's the top three Matt why don't we move on to uh, Perez so for my money although he wasn't really involved in that top three scrap today uh, beyond the the kind of known weakness and issue at the start which I I think we can sort of forgive it because we've got this I'm gonna have a little bit of a rant on tires actually Matt here because we had an almost pointless disparity between the the front four and the guys behind. So we had the front four starting on mediums and then the guys starting on Q2, uh, on softs who weren't yeah. certain they were going to get out of Q2. So that tyre compound rule in Q2, all it does, all it does right now is give the top four a race advantage and beyond lap one, it gives everybody else a disadvantage. It's pointless. It needs to go. That's a low-hanging fruit to stop disadvantaging the midfield with this rule just get rid of that Lando Norris nearly fell all the way back you know towards Daniel Ricciardo and you could see a stark difference Ricciardo really did have an advantage over Norris apart from you know the fact that they started different grid positions given the fact that he was able to start on mediums and not softs a kind of side effect of that was both Sainz and Norris were able to kind of challenge Perez as the last of those front four get past them for a bit but ultimately not have the pace to sustain those positions so i don't understand what we're achieving with that q2 rule anymore 
Well, I'm surprised you don't bring up Alonzo mostly catching up to Alcon, who started on the sauce while yeah. Alonzo okay. yes. was very Another long good on example, the yeah. medium tire. It's the same thing. And you are not the first person, and you will not be the last yes, person I am. to look How at that dare rule. You? It was an original thought. Yeah, but you've listened to Tag Time, right? Ye okay, never mind. Yes. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Oops. Okay, I, I'm um, out. <laughs> but but you're right. Uh, you are agreed with the the intent of the Q2 rule was to give the starters from ten down uh, the the potential advantage to run long to get into pit windows to be able to make up places through pit stops. But the fact of the matter is the pace difference between the top two teams. And while, okay, we'll give Leclerc and Ferrari this one too, because they made it to on the medium tire. But basically the top, those teams and everybody else is such that no one else is going to get through on the medium tire almost every time. So all it does is disadvantage the midfield teams. It is beyond time for it to go. And I've even heard tell that people have suggested that maybe, maybe it's just time to do away with a mandatory pit stop altogether. Are those mainly Perez fans who are pretty sure he didn't have to pit at all today? Could be. I'm not going to say you can get away with it at every race, but if you're if you were a team like Haas, you could think about building a car that could do a whole race on a single set of hard tires, and maybe get some good finishes out of it. Okay, that sounds like a non-race review topic, and we will certainly uh, we'll certainly think about that. You can send us feedback feedback at mistapex.net and that will arrive to both me and matt i'm also spanners at mistapex.net on email and matt has matt at mistapex.net as well so we would love to hear your views obviously it'd be better if you just agreed with me directly but i will i'll have a fight over email i don't mind uh, get in touch and we'll do a feedback section in the next news show which will be in a couple of weeks time actually in fact matt we've got barcelona next week haven't we so we will indeed so we might have to do a catch-up news show in the week or we'll just do our patron friday live stream again because that was a load of fun and you guys can come and join us on that for as little as a pound no a dollar a month uh, that tier joins us on the live stream patreon.com forward slash missed apex consider supporting an independent contact content creator and get a warm fluffy feeling that you are uh, helping us uh, achieve this thing that you broadly enjoy a dollar a month is 33 cents a show mat it's not bad value not bad at all you get all sorts of fun you get the slack community which is like this spiraling monster that i cannot <laughs> even begin to encompass anymore yeah but an amazing community to be a part of any problem you have anything you're interested in Yes, there is lots of interest groups, but we're not we're not touting the experts that help us out in there. Uh, that's not like a feature of being a patron. But we will also say the patron stream is decidedly worse content, but it is quite relaxed content and good fun. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. It's pretty funky that Uncle Steve sent me that bumper music. Makes us seem young and hip. Uh, what were we talking about? Okay, so per right, we've got, we've got our tire rant out of the way. So Perez's race there, I don't think I'm going to say an awful lot about it other than it was encouraging. And Red Bull, now, Helen, have a tool in their armory. It, it is clear they didn't have that tool last season. Now they've got not only like a solid driver that can keep with the pace generally, but they have also got this random, Perez, can you just stay out forever? And he's like, see. What a legend. What a legend. And I was... Um... Obviously, during the race, you know, there's lots going on. There's lots to look at, lots of different sort of battles and stuff. I was making notes and I sat there just before we started and I, I went to my housemate. I went, 
did Perez complain? Did he say anything? No, it's a good no. Point. Apart from when you know, apart from when Lando, you know, apart from with the Lando incident earlier on, Perez wouldn't hear, but wouldn't hear anything from him at all when it came to tires. And off he is tooling along, and suddenly he's done an incredible job. So many laps, it, unbelievable. You know, maybe it didn't work out. I don't know. It, it's weird because it's it's hard to see exactly. You know, it worked for different reasons and yeah. then didn't work for others. Um, but yeah, what a legend just, you know, sitting there putting in absolute graft and not not complaining at all. And then he's in exactly the position he needs to be. And hopefully, you know, if he can keep this going, sit there, maybe keep his head down a bit because, you know, he's not when he's doing this, when he's doing what he's told, he's not he's not causing any trouble. Keep his head down, you know, chip away at that. He's in exactly the position Red Bull need him to be and the exact position he needs to stay if he's going to make sure he's sitting in that seat for a lot longer than the two before him have. And that's my tactic in my radio career as well, Ellen. Just sit there, keep my head down, don't get in trouble, never ask for any more money. Yeah, just head down. <laughs> Do you think, Ellen, that that would have been as, uh, he would have been as compliant if... They'd have said, instead of saying, right, use your superpower now, engage, which he's more than happy with. What if they said, well, let, well, let's gamble on the hards and let's use Perez to see what the hard tyre pace is and do that kind of alternate strategy where, OK, well, now you've got the fresh tyres, you push, you give us info and roll the dice. Would he have been as compliant? I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's in a position not to be. I think he has to be. I think, you know, when you look at, like I said, those who've kept the seat warm before him, I think he has to sit there and make sure that he's in a position not to be pushed back to wherever, you know, somewhere else. I don't know where he would go, but somewhere else. You know, he needs to make sure he's, he's, like you said, keeping his head down, pushing forward. You can't complain with where, where he finished. He's in, you know, yeah, he wants a bit more, but he's in a really great place to do that in the weeks to come. Well, Alex, I mean, this is the minimum, isn't it? He, we so often last season said Albon just needs to get the minimum. Got to be fourth at least. And Perez is looking like he comfortably has the pace to do that. We want another step, but this is a step towards that. To be fair to Perez, I was watching his pace the whole race. His pace was on the pace of the leaders. The time that he lost was the time at the beginning of the race yeah. where he got a poor start and got hell up behind Lando and then got flustered that he was still behind yeah, Lando. Bags of understeer dropped, as well. And dropped about nine seconds behind. And at one point, he was actually faster than the top three. And if you think that later in the race, Bottas had an issue with his car and lost five seconds, if they hadn't have pitted um, Perez, there is a, every single chance that Perez could have caused Bottas an issue towards the end. You know, I sort of to link back to that Alban point, when we're looking at, you know, I remember so many times last season, Alban would go forward and we'd get him, you know, maybe into like top five and you'd be like, yay, well done, well <laughs> yes. done, absolutely get it, well done, my boy. And we're in a position now where Perez is storming forward and I'm not there going, woo, go Perez, like, just because I don't, I don't know why. I, I, Just because I, think, I don't. Maybe is it expected? Maybe yeah. now we're thinking right. Okay, this is where we know. This is where they need to be. This is we we know. This is what they need to do. And Perez will know that as well because, like I said, he knows what's happened before him. I I think we are safely assuming Matt that there's there's more to come. This is a completely different story. I know you defend Albon. You think he had different challenges, but let's not make this Perez versus Albon. Let's make this. The number two Red Bull seat last year versus this year, it's it's looking stronger. We, I think we can expect more. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if I'm Red Bull, I, I'm thinking Sergio Perez absolutely did the job he was hired to do this weekend. Qualifying? Check. 
Was he a player on the chessboard? Check. Was he close to Max and race pace? Check. What, did were we able to keep him out in case of a safety car? Check. Did yeah. he give us a fast lap when we asked yeah. for it? Check. The only thing really left for him to do is to figure out how to deal with Lando Norris <laughs> and Carlos Sainz yeah. and those midfielders that can get in front of him in the early stage of the race when Red Bull is at, I believe the car is at its quickest in the earliest phases of the race. They gave um, Perez the Kimi Raikkonen job today. Um, the problem was, by the time he got, by the time Lewis caught up to Perez for Perez yeah, to hold him up, which is exactly, yeah. which is exactly what Red Bull wanted to do, despite Christian Horner saying no. Um, he was so slow on his tires that Lewis just breezed past him. Um, but yeah, so they, I think, they try to take a Red Bull tries to take a page out of Ferrari's book today, and it didn't quite pay off because the gap was too big. Yeah when they started to do it and they should have just betted on Perez say Perez go for it we'll stick you on the right tires and just go for it and then you can hopefully pick up something off a of Bottas because there was a chance yeah I'm not saying a big chance but there was a chance that Perez could have picked up a podium today if okay. they'd let him go for it so instead of just going uh, the message came in it's plan a plus 10 instead just go okay lap 45 you're about seven seconds off those guys. Let's give you a, a set of hard tyres. If they'd have done that, when Bottas had his little issue with his uh, exhaust sensor, I think that cost him about five seconds. So maybe that puts Perez on his tail there. And instead of messing around for fastest laps, he's fighting for a podium. But look, Red Bull are just still working out how to use their new tool, Matt. And so, OK, let's not be so harsh. Well, let's not be so harsh, and let's consider, too, how difficult it was for Max to get past Botas in the early part of the race when he had good tires and everybody had a, and, mm. and, and Red Bull was at its fastest. And, oh, yeah, that's right, he couldn't. Okay, that's fair. But we're playing some coulda, woulda, shoulda there. So let me, let, let me have that, that pipe dream. And as soon as the exhaust thing did happen, I was like, ooh, maybe a little podium on the horizon. But uh, it wasn't to be, but certainly I am encouraged as a as a Perez fan. The only other note out of Perez's race was Mazepin. What was Mazepin doing? Blocking him off there, Alex. That was obviously he got a five-second penalty. It was a clear violation. And since we're, since we're out of the top four now, let's, um, let's take that as a point of any other business. I think I've been reasonably restrained about Mazepin uh, this season think i have i mean i've said schumacher is my favorite Haas driver but he's nowhere near the required standard for a formula one driver he's not just slow he also can't keep it on track and he's not only can't keep it on track he's obnoxious when it comes to track position and general behavior in practices and just cutting the nose off the leader of the race and just going nah and just taking your apex like it's fully daft. it's beyond daft I'm going to give him credit for not being that daft. It's obnoxious. He doesn't look like an F1 driver, does he? He really doesn't. And which is a shame because despite his off track antics, of which we really, really do not approve, um, and despite his on track attitude, which we also really do not approve. Is there a butt here? The butt's going to have to be really good. <laughs> he has shown the ability to be quick. In GP2, in F2. But where's that gone? He was more than a minute behind Schumacher. Yeah. With a safety car. Yeah. 
I mean, come on. What's the guy doing? And you think in a team that is mostly funded by his father, you think he'd get the better bits of kit and the, the, the better on the strategy and those sorts of things. But he's getting none of that or he's getting all of that and still has nothing against Schumacher. Yeah. And it's just, he's an embarrassment to the sport, to the likes of Maldonado and that kind of level. And that's how bad it's getting. And as far as... Wait, wait, hang on. Perez, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maldonado was quick, mate. Maldonado he was won at a least, race. Yeah, he was very, very quick into walls and other drivers. Um, he did win a race. He did win a race once, um, of which he thinks he is world championship standard and thinks he got screwed by Formula One. But that's an entirely <laughs> different conversation altogether. Um, but as far as what he did to Perez, it's just incompetence. Yep. He had he he had had I think four or five blue flags at that point. So he knew Perez was there and then just turns in on him. That's the kind of stuff you expect in a rookie lobby on iRacing. Yeah, and again, I'm at pains to agree with you. He really, and especially today, did not look like he belonged on that track. And it is a mystery to me, if you look at him um, in F2, as to why he looks that unprepared to be there. Because we know he had as much preparation as his dad's money could buy him. So it is a mystery to me what's going on at that team and why he looks like that. And he seems to constantly be violating just the, what you would think of as the standard gentleman's, which I sort of hate that phrase, but that standard gentleman's agreement amongst the drivers as to how the etiquette mm-hmm. of being on track, the etiquette of qualifying, the etiquette of, of being lapped, just every place he has a chance to get that wrong, he seems to get it wrong. Okay, let's put a pin in that and let's see if it improves and then we'll talk about it when it doesn't. Matt, I love that we always hear beeps in your background. Uh, we're just hearing people like yelling, hey, I'm walking here. And just like that full Brooklyn experience, sirens and just the full like Manhattan slash Brooklyn experience. Love that. Uh, you are at MattPT55 on Twitter. Is that still the case, sir? Is that still the case? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. And is your wife still selling books? The lovely at a, uh, at a Weaver writes. Yeah, she is still selling books. She's actually got one out on submission right now, so I'll be what? sure and yell about it okay. if it gets picked up by anybody. Tell us what it's called, and then we can put a link in the show notes, and then people can buy that. They're... Everyone loves those books now. Since Bridgerton, everyone's like yep. romance novels. That's the that's my jam. Yeah. Um, I uh, something sisters. I don't know her latest book. I'd actually have to go look up the title. (laughs) But the one I meant was she's got a new one she's written that's out on submission with editors right now. I've been learning all the phrases from following a Weaver writes on Twitter. uh, H E A. And, you know, following the chats and they go, well, that couple's got their HEA. They don't need to appear in the next series. That's happily ever after. I know all the lingo. No, all the chat. I'm down on all that romance stuff now, Matt, and it's all because of Amanda. You're welcome. The links will be in the show notes below. Let's focus in on the trendiest member of the panel, uh, Alex. No, I'm only joking. It's Ellen. Uh, you are at Ellen Ellard uh, on Twitter. Ellen Ellard underscore. Oh, that's ridiculous. How many underscores? Just it's, one. I know. We say this all the time. Sorry. All the time. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it now mm-hmm. because I know I just it's get disgusting. lots of hate for it. Fine. Um, I also get a lot of followers as well. So. <laughs> at, <laughs> at Ellen Ellard. 
underscore on that's only on twitter okay. the underscores in the right place on instagram at ellen underscore ellard okay and people can follow you there and you are the the host of bbc introducing live uh, for bbc radio cambridgeshire so you've got your finger on the pulse of like new music uh i couldn't do that job because it would just be me for two hours complaining that everything is just noise and too loud too loud for you and it's past your bedtime spanners as well. So it's past my old man bedtime. Uh, but follow Ellen to catch up with what's going on in the the music scene. And I'm assuming it's all the, generally the same kind of songs, but from just dreamers who will eventually end up in accounting. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to fight with you, Spanners. I'm not going to fight with you today. Fair enough. And Alex Van Jean, you're still streaming stuff at Alex. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Yeah. Um, I'm still streaming on YouTube on Thursday nights, doing my IGP series on iRacing. Um, You're never going to see the best racing out of me, but you're going to see exciting streams, usually me having a fight back um, against some of the best drivers on iRacing because the series that I do, which is IGP, is an A-rated series. It's the top series on iRacing, and it's blooming hard. Um, But I do my best, and I try and talk while driving Formula 1 cars around Formula 1 tracks. So come and watch me on 9 o'clock on Thursday nights. Love it. All right, we're going to talk about Alpine now and Ocon's performance. And of course, that means that we head over to Alex. No, Matt, your boy done all right. He's had a good showing this season. He's up against a two-time world champion who is... I think he's 40 as well, isn't he, Alonso? Yeah. Which I can attest is a massive disadvantage in nearly everything. It's a good job they don't have night races, is it? Because uh, Alonso and Kimi would have to stop for a pee in the middle of the night. So it's good. Uh, they'd it's good. have it's to a daytime with, one. with infrared goggles exactly. so they could see far <laughs> enough. And yeah, no, it'd just be tragic. Exactly. Uh, Alonso, uh, sorry, uh, Alonso aside, Ocon's made a real good show of him himself, not just with his finishing position, uh, not just with qualifying, but wheel to wheel as well. He seemed to be taking it to the Alpha Tauris, um, really going at the Ferraris as well. You, you, you must be pleased as, as Ocon Fossi. I am, because this is the potential that we saw when he first came to Force India, when he had that third in qualifying at the wet, dry spa. And it's always been there. I feel like he got savaged when he came back. And, you know, a- after Reno reneged on their agreement to hire Ricardo, he sat out a year. He came back. And in race two, they're like, wow, he looks terrible compared to Ricardo. He should be out of the sport. And I was like, well, but, you know, he's been out a year. Maybe you just give him a chance to figure out how a brand new car, because he'd only ever been in um, Force India, drives let him get his track feel back and and he's delivered on that and even uh daniel kiviat who was on the um pit lane channel post race show said that he seems to have really matured during the off season and i think we see this like we remember he had that incident with perez at emila and he wasn't yelling and screaming about it he was like oh well you know at the end of the day it was just it was a racing incident these things happened it's like he's he's made that step that a lot of people are, are waiting for Russell to make as well. I don't think you're going to get any argument from people kind of wishing him well. He's, he's certainly like, a, seems to be a popular F1 driver amongst people. I think it's just that people felt 
that he didn't have the best show of himself last season. and But he's well on the way to kind of a little bit of redemption, I think, this season. Yeah, and, and as is Alpine, because they, they looked nowhere. At the, I mean, they, looked, they brought five different floors to, to the first event to test, which is usually not a good sign. But they seem to have really figured something out this weekend because their pace they showed in practice was genuine throughout the weekend. And they were clever enough to get Alonzo, who did not have a great qualifying, all the way up into the points, right behind his teammate. And now they put themselves solidly into fifth place on the championship chart. So I'm going to be very interested to see how things go for them in Barcelona. I think that's a key point, isn't it? Seeing how it goes. They've, they've proved themselves this time around. Whether that continues will be another question, but yeah, it's really promising. I'm I'm really happy to see that we are getting, you know, more of these mixes. You know, we're seeing more more of these teams sort of shuffle around and seeing, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those things where when you look at sort of point back to McLaren, was it two seasons ago? And we're thinking, oh gosh, you know, they look like a shadow of their former selves. Mm. And now look where McLaren are. You know, if you look at that, you know, where could we see where could we see Alpine in the next couple of years? You know, they have put down a really good stamp of authority today and that they can, you know, when needed, they can own the midfield. So let's see see how that continues. Both those teams shouldn't be talking about owning the midfield, but that is the reality we're in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where, I don't know, maybe owning the midfield is a bit too positive. I don't know whether it is. But, you know, they they, they showed themselves, you know, they, they, they had a really good run today. And, you know, it's nice to see them, you know, side by side as well when we look at the results, you know, holding tight yeah. and being like, yeah, we can do this. So come on, lads, let's, let's have it continue. I, I do wonder with Alpine, everyone assumed that it was going to be antagonistic between Alonso and Ocon. And that might just not be the case. Ocon might be just going about his business, getting on very well with Alonso. And we just assume that Alonso is going to come in there and stir stuff up. But earlier we were talking about that kind of Masters Football League where people can come in and do things with a little bit less pressure. Perhaps, Matt, Alonso is in there with a little bit less pressure, with a bit of humility. You never know. Trying to kind of learn and get up to speed. And by next season, Ocon will be at Mercedes anyway. Yeah, well, this has always been the dream. Ever since Matthew Carter dangled that little tidbit under our nostrils, that that Ocon has been a favorite of Mercedes. He's he was their reserve driver the year he was off, and the plan was always to bring him into the team ahead of Russell, and that seemed to have gotten sidetracked with the Ricardo Renault thing. But you know. You know, anything can happen. It is Formula One, and he certainly looks like someone who could do a similar job to Botas. He's finished second in a race. He's finished third in a qualifying. He doesn't seem to be easily rattled. And he has been avoiding the kind of early career incidents he was having with uh, Perez when they were both at Force India. Mm. All right, good. Well, let's see what comes out of Alpine, because I know it's Renault. I know it's Renault. They changed the name, guys. They changed the branding. I've been fooled into kind of thinking, okay, maybe this is something different. Maybe this is a reset. So uh, less positive in the midfield is Williams from a really strong Saturday. Anyone have any insight on on why it seemed to all go so wrong for George Russell? Alex? Um, um, Williams have said that their car is 
suited to particular tracks this year. Um, this not being one of them. However, George is able to pull out some magic on Saturdays. But as we very much saw, he just went backwards and backwards and backwards. Uh, he still beat his teammate by a considerable margin, um, despite being behind him at one point during the race. Mm. Um, oh, actually, Latifi so, pulled off a pretty sick overtake on Russell at one point. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, I must, yeah. Have, missed, I must have missed that. Sent it down um, the inside of turn one. And I thought, oh my goodness. I, at one point, I was there thinking, wow. Mercedes really have. They've just got to be in their bonnet about last week or at Imola, and they've said, turn Russell's engine down. Make it look like a tech failure. Le- to be fair to Latifi, he's been better this year. You know, he's shown, he's shown, a, he, he's been better than he was last year against Russell. I, I still don't see him ever over the course of a season beating Russell on stats because I genuinely, I have, as I have said on this show many times, I think Russell is the real deal. I think Russell is top five on the grid at the moment. He just needs the machinery. I think the whole point, the whole frustration from last race was down to the fact that there is a guy in the current Mercedes that he doesn't think much of, that he nearly beat um, and should have beat at Bahrain last year. Um, And I think he is a guy that is full of frustration at the moment because he should be in a top seat. He should be fighting for a championship. All right. I think we can have a long chat about that second Mercedes seat. The the rumbles out of F1 nearly everywhere is that Lewis Hamilton is just bang up for staying in F1 for the next couple of years. So if you're not a Lewis fan, just prepare to be disappointed. Lewis is going to be here for a long time. Verstappen seems committed to Red Bull. And you don't know whether Mercedes are happy to keep uh, Hamilton because they no longer can get Verstappen because he's committed to Red Bull or if Verstappen has committed to Red Bull because doors have been closed at Mercedes. All those options are up in the air. I'm sure we'll find out in 20 years on whatever the current version of Beyond the Grid is in, in that time. So we are heading towards the awards part of our show where we play rights-free music. No one can stop us playing this because it was written years and years ago. But we give out awards on the show after I plug my things. I mean, I'm the best one. At Spanners Ready on Twitter. I've got an Instagram as well. I'm also a cool kid. I think it's at Spanners Ready. I don't know. I haven't logged into it for a while. But if you search for Spanners Ready Instagram, I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, I guess. Oh, we've got a TikTok, uh, which I briefly... I briefly started posting things on. I did all right on it, Alex. I think I did some good Missed Apex TikToks, and then and then I got I got bored with it. But I will try again. I it's, I think it's a decent platform actually for for us. We just need to put the time and effort into it. TikTok is the best media out there at the moment, and I won't have anything said about <laughs> it. I think it's great. You can listen to it. You can lose far too many hours on TikTok. Um, I have definitely lost many many hours to just randomly watching through videos yeah um it's not just watching people dance for me it's mostly cat videos and comedy um family guy and cats that's mine but i i had to delete it because as you say you lose track of time so i was like missing like meetings or getting close to us oh my gosh i only went on it for a minute and now it's 20 minutes have gone matt that was literally the first thing you said this entire show that made Ellen sit up and pay attention. I just need to say that for the that listeners. That was so at home. rude. I've been so present. I have been so present tonight. She feels. But yes, attacked. that's exciting. Anyway, also, yeah, yeah. But sometimes you have time to kill, and what's better than to just what's like cats? I've got loads of parrots. That's on mine. Parrots that talk. 
incredible. And yeah, stuff. and yet no one, no one is concerned why parrots can talk. We just don't ask that question enough, <laughs> do we? I'm going to go and have an existential crisis now. I wonder why parrots talk. I'm not sleeping tonight now because of you, but at least I've got TikTok to keep me company. So I check- get criticised every day by the Missed Apex crew because I post videos of you of TikTok constantly in our channels and everyone has a go at me. So check out our Missed Apex TikTok and just give us some feedback. And if you follow that, that will encourage me to, to do more of that kind of thing. But this is the part of the show where we give out awards and we know that we're no one we know that we have no right to judge people at the very highest echelons of motorsport even though van jean's quite good at go-karting and me and matt have played iRacing a couple of times we know that gives us no authority but we'll park that now as we give out some awards the first award which doesn't have a bumper or a good name is thing of the weekend so that's your good thing award and live stream start telling us who gets your thing of the weekend award will go first to alex who's your thing of the weekend my thing of the weekend goes to lewis hamilton for thinking that sergio Perez. no i'm not gonna say it because i know it was yours Stannis. Oh, you're i'm not gonna say because i know it was yours i'm not gonna say it, no but my, my thing of the weekend is still lewis hamilton he proved today why he's the master even after losing a position through his own error he pushed and pushed forced Max to make a mistake, got past Max, pushed and pushed and pushed and passed Valtteri Bottas, took the lead of the race, took command of the race and won today. And that was all driver. Don't give me car. Don't give me anything else. That was Lewis Hamilton who went and won that race today. The he only has the best car people, whilst they may have had points at various uh, at various times during recent F1 history, the argument is getting thin isn't it the more he gets tested the more he has different and varied challenges in f1 the more you have to kind of go well maybe maybe lewis hamilton's just quite good at driving race cars i'm gonna go next before anyone nicks mine and that has to be lewis hamilton just assuming that the second red bull should have blue flags and sitting there saying guys blue flags and they're like no he's the leader of the grand prix in f1 which is the pinnacle of motorsport no he's not going to give you blue flags which i just thought was it was wonderful in many ways because it just shows what what red bull now have in their arsenal which is probably a functioning second seat ellen what's your thing of the weekend well i was gonna see that was gonna be my pony so oh it can be it totally can be i think that's i think that's a more relevant pony to be honest. Um, my thing of the weekend could also be a pony. Um, it's just Toto Wolf hopping on and going, come on, Valtteri, come on, my boy. It's so bad. That's your thing of the weekend. That was on my list for potential Missed Apex Awards, Alex. No, it's fun, isn't okay. it? It's fun, it's fun, oh, Ellen. But sh- should you need to say that? to like, <laughs> hey, Hey, Valtteri, try and win the race car race. Because you're doing really well and you've got a fast race car. Fine. Do you want to take... I'll ha- fine, have that for Miss Apex and we'll pretend this didn't happen. We okay. can, I'm sure we can put a cut in. I'll go with the track then because I think the track was brilliant today and I think it was a joy to watch. There was lots going on um, and I think it's just a really exciting track. So there we go. But brilliant. Whole, don't, no one nick my other one. I love that for Miss Apex. The best thing about that, about the Toto coming on and telling Bottas to get to, to the well done for being the fastest is it was a lie because Lewis was fast. Lewis was faster at that point of the race. So 
it was an absolute blatant lie, but he just was just faster than Max. That's what I loved about it. Did you just knock your mic over, then catch it, and then try and style it out? No. <laughs> Come. I have not had too much rum tonight, I promise. Come on, Alex, you can do it. You have the best microphone. Matt Two Rumpets, who gets your Thing of the Weekend award? Well, since all of you have gone with all of the big things, I'm going to go with a small thing. Michael Schumacher and his battle with Nicholas Latifi. It's a small thing. It was at the back. But we saw Schumacher in a car that had no business being even slightly competitive have a proper battle with Latifi and the Williams and make a beautiful pass. Um, Well, okay, Latifi locked up, but whatever. (laughs) I'm going to call it a beautiful pass, and we're going to call it a win for the battle at the back. And it was good enough that it made the main TV feed And so I'm very happy about that. Excellent. Well, that's enough positivity here at Missed Apex Podcast. Let's do uh, the Bad Thing Award. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Ellen, what was your Missed Apex Award? My Missed Apex Award goes to (laughs) Toto Wolf and Valtteri Bottas for Toto hopping on the mic, taking control and going, well done, come on, you can do it, my son. I, I think that shows, though, that they there is a real will for two things. Firstly, they do like their one-twos. They're not happy with just Lewis winning. They, the one-twos are important to them. But I think it also shows that Mercedes and Toto Wolff, they have a genuine love for Valtteri Bottas. They are trying to be the wind beneath his wings. You know, and there's a lot to be said about the conversations that Bottas has had about the encouragement he needs. And, you know, we see it with we see it in pretty much every sport, you know, whether it's coaches, whether it's football managers, whether it's, you know, Toto Wolf. You know, there are different ways and there's different ways different athletes respond to encouragement and how they want to, you know, how they want to be treated. Some of them like it but they like being told when they've done wrong and that gives them a bit of motivation others like to be told when they're you know when they they need to sort of be sort of more fluffed up and be told oh go on you can do it and that gives them motivation so yeah I think there's a lot to be said towards different management styles and I know that wouldn't have definitely that wouldn't (laughs) work for Lewis Lewis is head down no let's just go get it done but I, I just thought, I don't know, it's one of those ones which, as you know, as you can tell, because I've said it for both, um, I think it's great. I think it's drawn between the two. I think it could be a thing of the weekend as well, because it's fun and it made me smile. And when it happened, I couldn't quite <laughs> believe it was happening. So as a presenter, I, I speak to producers before shows and I say, right, I require constant validation. So please make nice nodding noises and just like thumbs ups. So I would, as a driver, I would want, I would want that message from Toto to say, you're doing super well. Uh, you could probably do a little bit better. So I, I know that because I've produced you before and I know that's exactly <laughs> what you're like. Please give me constant validation, Matt. Please give me love and appreciation <laughs> or I won't do the radio. <laughs> I'll do it badly and cry. Matt, uh, you're getting picked up in the chat room because you said Michael Schumacher, easy mistake to make. Yeah, well, I thought Mick was his was nope. nickname that everyone just used. But no, no, no his, he's, his first he's, name is Mick. He's christened and I've Mick. Been corrected. Yeah. After um, a, a bicyclist rider, he's named after like is it Mick Dewin? Is it? It's not. Ah, well, that the, mm. uh, Mick Dewin was a was not a bicyclist. He was a motorcyclist. Same, same in it. Fair enough. Pretty much Fair the enough. same. Anyway, uh, that, who has my bad done their missed apex award yet? Oh, I think it's Alex. No, you missed the apex. Is it Alex or Matt? Alex and it Matt. Is me, I haven't done one yet. Go on then, do it. Um, my missed apex has to go to Valtteri Bottas and his 
terrible, terrible defending today. It's so it got me so angry that a driver of that caliber in that car can't defend a position and it's not even today he's been notorious for it for his entire career at mercedes that he just has no teeth in a fight and i've said that about four Mm. times tonight that he just doesn't go for it he doesn't defend his position and when you are in that mercedes and you want to win a title and you want to show yourself against lewis hamilton who is arguably one of the greatest drivers of all time you can't be weak on wheel-to-wheel racing and he just is and today he showed it not once but twice against the two biggest title rivals excellent uh my Miss apex award goes to mazepin i've had enough matt what's your Miss apex award my missed apex which i'm stealing from patty in the chat so now you know <laughs> is the red bull event notes reader missed the apex not informing Max of the change about the rules in turn 14. Oh, and how delighted was Paul DeResta. He's a cheeky minx, isn't he, Paul DeResta, Alex? He loved, he, you could see him rubbing his hands together in glee, going, I get to tell him, I get to tell him. It was so funny because Max came on happy that he got the point <laughs> back. And you could just hear DeResta's voice change and go, oh, but do you know that you actually have lost it because you went <laughs> off the track? And Max is like, Oh, did I? While a big, massive picture behind him is showing him off of the track. Yeah, so, um, yeah, unfortunately, Max, you drove all four wheels off the track again and lost a time. And then yeah. you've got um, Marco, Helmut Marco, yeah. who said track limits need to be looked at because um, Max has lost a race win, a fastest lap, and a pole position. Why not tell your driver to stay on the circuit? So, I mean, we could have that track limits debate. I, I, was, I was sat there, I went on a walk before the show and I was sat there calculating, like, what's, A, what's the minimum wage in Portugal? Probably a day rate for a casual, I don't know, a casual technically minded person, maybe a hundred euros, I don't know. You could have one person on each corner with a video feed and their whole job all day is just to watch for track limits and report every time a driver doesn't have one wheel and, and every corner, Alex, I'm not talking about certain corners. Every single corner, you've just got one guy who's just like, I saw it, I pressed the button, and three of those, and you get a five-second penalty. You would only have to pay uh, a few tens of thousands of pounds. F1 could afford it, and that would that would stop the problem immediately. After two Grand Prix, drivers would be terrified of going out of track limits, and that would be that solved. And I don't even have any real objection to going over track limits. Because I'm just like, okay, fine. Paint the track limit out wider. I don't care. What I care about is the excessive whining about track limits. And I want F1 to spend the 20 grand on 14 people on a day rate to just, just let's solve it because I'm bored. It's not even the driver's fault. The drivers are doing their job. They're driving around the circuit at ridiculous speed with ridiculous G-forces. It's not even their fault. And the rules change and they move throughout a weekend. So I'm not technically blaming Max for having his laps disqualified. I'm blaming the stewards and I'm blaming the FIA because it's not difficult. If Palmer Sport in Bedford have a tiny little sensor in every single car which tells you when you've gone off the track can do it then formula 1 the richest sport in the richest motorsport in the world they can do it really really easily it's a really pee poor excuse um for it and 
just deal with it. Make it yeah. every single track. You have two white lines. Foot one wheel has to remain inside that white line. Yeah. Job done. It's not a difficult task. And obviously, if they go beyond the white line, that's a paddling. Too harsh? Fine. A time penalty then. Uh, it's the Pony Award. And uh, Ellen, who was the one you suggested? It was Lewis, wasn't it? Yeah, Lewis. <laughs> another one, another thing this weekend that just made me just sit up and go, what? What just happened? Can we blue, is... can we blue flag the leader out of the way for me, please? I just, I was just like, <laughs> it happened. And I was like, Lewis, oh. And my heart was just went... This is just not going to be like every time that gets put on Twitter, it's just not going to be, it's just not going to be received well, is it? But, you know, is it one of those things? I want to, part of me is like, oh, is it an easy mistake to make? And then I'm like, no, No, I don't think it is. He must have been told he knows where he's running. So, oh, Oh, Lewis, you get a pony. Alex. For me, it's a tiny, tiny dig at Alex Albon because that's how slow Albon. (laughs) <laughs> oh god but i don't have to be fair nothing better than that as far as i'm concerned uh anyone else any other ponies matt has one i i think we've just been talking about it helmet marco track limits just kind of hard to not put that out there because well you know even if you have a valid point maybe everyone should just develop a consistent this is always the limit of the track fact of the matter is it was there it could be read no other team had that problem, so what are you yep. really complaining about? Quick award to finish the show. Comment of the week. And this is for our best comments from our live chat room. It looks like Alex has one before Matt gets to his nominations. I've got more than one. I've got quite a few. Let's say um, let's say two. Pick your favourite two. Oh, give me three. Um, so I've got Mike Stoner, Daniel Rookie Ardo, after Daniel complained about being a rookie. I've got Cadenza. Already who on says, the list. I've got Cadenza, who says, The Knight Who Cried Tires, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. Lewis Hamilton again crying about tires. Um, and I have my wife, which is Alex Van Jean. Are you almost done yet so we can watch Line of Duty? That is amazing. Right. The the chat room is not a forum for spouses of panellists to complain. Matt, who is your nominations for comment of the week? Well, according to my notes, it was Stuart Neal with the Daniel Rookiardo comment, but maybe it was Mike's first. Uh, moving on, we have Nuripian in with signs has proven to be a good Botas. We didn't talk about Ferrari much, but ouch, funny. Um. We have Manif Hetty giving me an appropriate amount of grief for my misspeaking of Mick Schumacher's name, his nickname. Oh, gosh, come on. We have Dr. Gonzo in with McLaren as the big boys Williams now, which cruel but accurate. And uh, finally, we have our very own Richard from Malden in Please Change the Regulations. All of this close racing and overtaking is ruining my afternoon <laughs> nap. Just for pure snark and sarcasm, should we uh, give it to, to our iRacing race director, Richard Moulton? Fair enough. Well, you're the winner of... Comment of the Week. Congratulations, you must now add that to your Twitter bio. Thanks for dropping in for our review of the Portuguese Grand Prix. Please follow my panel at MattPT55. That's Matt Trumpets over there. Follow Old Man Trumpets on Twitter. He's not as nice on Twitter, you know. Follow Alex Van Jean. Alex, and it's spelt weird, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. And search for that on YouTube as well. 
because he rates himself as quite the YouTuber. Alex, I can't lip read. Just say it. What are you trying to say? Like and subscribe my YouTube. I need more YouTube followers. No. Please like, subscribe. Because in a couple of years' time, when I need a, when I need a rig, I'm going to need to get one for free. So I need as many likes and subscribers as I can. I have to interrupt with the chat room. Michael Diestelhoff says, sounds like Mrs. Van Jean would like to have Alex collected from Smallland. Which, if ah. you've ever been to an Ikea, you are laughing, laughing, and laughing some more. She wants to go to Ikea tomorrow, I've told her no. That's not what this platform is for you're ruining it deliberately on purpose ellen you're not ruining things so you get another plug at ellen ellard underscore on twitter please go and follow ellen follow me at spanners ready and the show at missed apex f1 we've got some other shows remain indoors is coming back spanners 90s radio is coming back but we've also got an iRacing podcast at iRacing podcast on twitter and search for missed apex iRacing on your podcatcher of choice Apple people, look out for the opportunity to subscribe to our premium content on Apple platforms. But for now, you can also go and support us at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We've got tons of stuff coming up in the week. We've still got to catch up with Uncle Joe at some point. Matthew Carter, he is is burning our WhatsApp because he's got some exciting stuff to, to tell us as well. And we'll have our Patreon-only live stream on Friday. And next week... We've got a race review. So if nothing else, we'll see you back here again, same time next week, 8 p.m. UK time. Until then, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex. Good job we got in there for an hour, so all the line of the duties people can't complain, Matt, because we stuck to... A metric yeah, hour. I mean, yeah. it was close. It was tight. Oh, mate, I was, I, what, I was panicking towards the end that we might not fit comment of the week in. But we, especially when Alex was like, oh, I'm not even the comment of the week guy, but I'm still going to give you 17 options. I was like, oh, cheers, Z, Nice one. I was just waiting for Ellen to pipe up with, I also have 75 contributions for comment of the week. But we got there. We, we got there in the end. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.